Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Culture Changers, the podcast that brings you unconventional wisdom by uncommon people. Together, we are shattering old paradigms to reshape our world and inviting you to make your own mark. I'm so tired. No, Todd, not now. Are you burnt out? Tired. Pandemic. Kids. Homeschooling. Keeping up with the schedule. You're snapping at your partner. You're missing your friends. You're numb from relentless Zoom calls and not knowing which way is up and which way is down. Masks, no masks, vaccines, no vaccines, too much information, too much Facebook advice, hating on yourself for not taking better care of yourself. Well, according to my very official social media polls, you are screaming for help and I am right there with you. Well, I saw a feature on the skim about burnout and I screamed, yes, that is who I need. My esteemed guest today is Dr. Caroline Rubenstein. She's a licensed psychologist with multiple degrees from Duke and Harvard who specializes in burnout. And she had such a different perspective on self-care. And I really dug into the self-imposed guilt and shaming that we do for ourselves. Dr. Carolyn immediately put me at ease and gave me so many great hacks on how do we untangle ourselves, even when a way out seems impossible. Now, I want you to think of three friends who might be experiencing burnout and text this episode to them right now. And I promise it's more than three friends. It's everyone. Please share this. It could make all the difference. Here is my chat with Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein. Why are we all burned out, Dr. Carolyn? Right. Why are we all burned out? Well, I think we were all burned out before the past year, but I also think the past year like really sped it up, you know, by putting us all into very um, into a bit of a vacuum where we had less to focus on. Um, but I think that our culture is very success driven and we want to make an impact. And the message is that you have to work nonstop in order to make an impact um, or to be successful. And that's great, you know, in theory, but unfortunately, as human beings, we we burn out. We don't have endless energy. And if we're not fueling ourselves and taking care of ourselves while working nonstop, we are going to burn out um, and we're not going to be able to maintain success. So you can get to the top of the mountain, but then you don't stay there and you fall pretty quickly. Uh, so it's definitely a journey that I see a lot more people taking and not realizing how important it is to focus on what it is that you need to maintain success um, and the journey. It's not just about that end point, um, but maintaining a life that feels good and redefining success. So I, uh, redefining success is something that I think is happening and unfolding in real time. And one of my burning questions for you, which you came right out of the bat was, you know, were we heading for burnout before the pandemic, like in a spiraled vortex. And one of the things I did before getting on uh, this call or getting on this meeting is I went on social media and said, hey, are you guys feeling burnout? And oh my God, like within minutes, I got tons of people begging for help. And I'm wondering, like that hustle culture that, you know, like the don't sleep until you're dead or, you know, you can sleep when you're dead (sighs) kind of thing. Do you feel like, where did that even come from? Why, why, why are we having such a hard time unwinding for that? 
I think that there's a lot of success. This idea of success is really not tangible. And so when you have something tangible like time or something that you can put a metric to that people grip, you know, grip onto it. And it's like, well, I just worked my butt off, you know, and they take that to mean, well, I didn't sleep. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't focus on anything else, um, which in reality isn't the real situation, right? So when you're looking at people who are successful, they usually have a pretty big life. They don't, they aren't usually very narrowly focused on one thing to the detriment of all other areas of their life. And they usually have a lot of support um, helping them to move forward. And I think that especially women and mothers that we can often just keep taking on and taking on and taking on to the point where we don't even realize that like, there's no more room on our plate at this point. At this point, we're juggling plates and we have to be able to be able to ask for help in the plate juggling and to be say, say no, no more plates right now. Like I've got my hands full. Um, and so it's, it's learning our own limits. It's learning to ask for help um, and it's learning to put down the plates when you need to, right? To take that time to reset, to recharge, um, to refuel, all of those things. And yeah. I'd be curious to get your take though, because I think people put such a high value on high productivity, myself included. It's something that I'm trying to unwind. And so when you're thinking about a stay-at-home mom who is juggling so many plates and undervalued in mm-hmm. society way, way, way more than they should be. Not that they should be at all. Yeah. They are like the highest value of, of earth. How do you, how do you you know, how do you unwind from the meaning of productivity being do, 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 and then, you know, you are coming and saying, ask for help. It's hard to do that when you are trying to be a superwoman or trying to be super Mm -hmm. person. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the value of productivity as it relates to the plate spinning. I think I'm... As a psychologist, I've definitely seen it firsthand um, with that happening and getting to the point where where productivity is the daily goal. Like I'm going to be productive. That is what I focus on checking off all these, you know, to do's and juggling all these pickups and all of these activities and having that be my focus. And then I end each day completely exhausted, completely disconnected and there starts to be problems, right? Either health problems, relationship problems, like when you're so focused on the external and the productivity and the box checking, at some point it catches up. And so you can wait for it to catch up, which is something I don't want people to do anymore. Or you can say like, what is it in my life? Am I happy? How am I ending my days? Am I ending my days getting into bed feeling like, oof, that was a busy day, but I feel full. Like I feel like it was a great day or my ending feeling like where did my time go where you know am I doing things that that really fuel me up and make me feel good about myself when I kind of end my day because I think that's usually where we have that one moment of checking in with ourselves when our head hits that pillow and it's either like a sigh of relief or just really being unable to even you know unwind and ask yourself am I okay um there's a disconnection that happens when productivity becomes what we solely focus on. So I'd be curious to get your take. You you mentioned the word disconnection yeah. twice. What does disconnect look like? And how, you know, I, I imagine that people don't know 
that they're disconnected or what disconnection means. Can you give some common examples of what disconnection looks like? So I would say there's, I would look at it two ways. So connecting with other people. So being able to have like that authentic communication, being able to focus on in conversations, being able to be there in the moment with other people, absorb it, remember it um, and experience it. Right. You're not, you're not like, sleepwalking through your life. So being able to connect in those moments with other people, but more so connecting with yourself, which means looking and being able to ask yourself, how do I feel? Being able to answer that question, right? So often when you're feeling extremely burned out, it's like, I don't know how I feel. Like I'm so numb right now. Mm. I'm so tuned out to everything that I'm just going through the motions. And that's really important. So if you're not able to even connect with your feelings or what's going on in your body or you're running so fast that you kind of truly become disconnected with yourself, that's a huge tell. It's a huge sign. Um, So even that emotional exhaustion or feeling tired is a sign of burnout, but it's usually like one of the first signs. So it's not like you're at the extreme end of burnout because when you're at the extreme end, you're really not even so physically tired you don't even realize that you're so disconnected from your physical cues and signs that you don't even realize like getting some extra sleep isn't going to solve the problem um and so realizing that there's there's degrees of burnout um and so when you recognize like i'm just it's starting to catch up with me like the focusing on all the you know being this task rabbit and just checking things off it's starting to catch up with me that's okay. You pause, you reset, you focus on reassessing like where you're spending your time, how you're fueling yourself up. Um, and you're able to kind of curb, you know, burnout from really becoming something that's a lot bigger than something that is going to then fuel maybe depression, anxiety, and all these kind of other more serious issues in addition to symptoms of burnout. So it's really about, I think the connection thing is a big one because it helps us to know where you are, right? If it's like, I'm just like really tired. I just need, I need a day of like checking out without my kids. I need a a big nap and I will feel so much better. And if that's true, like you're on the, you're on the very low end of burnout. Like you're doing pretty well, you know, you're able to refuel pretty quickly, but if you're able to have that day and you're like, I feel just as worn out as before Mm. and can't even tell you how I feel really, that's your, it's more serious. Um, I so feel all of this. (laughs) <laughs> and I did. Yeah, I know. I did a very official, a very official poll on social media, very <laughs> and official, I asked, yes. very, very official. And I asked, yeah. I asked, um, do you numb yourself because of the burnout, or do you face it head on? And like seventy six percent said, I have to numb. And I feel the same way. Like I don't, um, I don't, uh, I don't really drink. I don't do drugs but I have been taking melatonin and I don't like being reliant on anything, but I'm, I'm fairly reliant on melatonin at night. And I don't even, I don't know that I need it. I just want to make sure I go to sleep. And I imagine that a lot of people have varying degrees of maybe some vices that, you know, that whether they had it before the pandemic or not, um, it's been really hard to untangle or realize, are we out of the pandemic? Now the numbers are climbing. They're afraid that things are going to go back into lockdown or masks are going back on. It's a really scary time. You know, how you recommend people process what's happening externally 
and synthesize or not synthesize that with how they're feeling. Like it's, it feels like, is it safe? Is it okay to relax or am I still on guard? Right. Right. And I think that's the thing is that we've been living on in this state of being, you know, very stressed and on guard Mm -hmm. for a very long time and then kind of come out of it and now going kind of somewhat in the middle and not knowing where we are. Then that guard kind of shield goes back up. And I think the key here is it is the consolidation. It's the story that you're telling yourself. Mm. So is the narrative that you're telling yourself, this is this is this is the same thing again. We're going right back to the same way. Or we have more information now. This is going to be different. And we're going to handle it. Like given, like, let's look at the strengths that we had during the hardest part, right? Like my family got through it. We got through it. Like, are we acknowledging how far we've come in order to be able to use that resiliency to move forward? Um, So being able to acknowledge each part of this. So for example, let's say the past week was really hard and maybe there was a case in your your child's school and, you know, they had to come home and there was, you know, in that situation, it's acknowledging when that week is over, like, well, we we got through it. We did it. You know, we got through a scary week and we're going to get through this weekend and then we're going to hopefully go back to a week of everything being okay. And it's the story that we tell ourselves so that there is a sense of a beginning and somewhat of a, a, a choppy mm. gray end, but at least there is some like positive. Okay. It was hard. It was scary. And we got through it. Let's take a big breath. Like, like let's just like ex- acknowledge that we got to that point. Um, and we have to keep doing that for some time because this isn't, changing Mm -hmm. or going away and we don't want it to become this one long traumatic experience that we're all kind of just flooded with stress and anxiety for you know two plus years um you know in terms of I think one of the things that I've noticed is that as people are feeling burned out whether or not they are have a partnership Mm -hmm. of some sort I think what I've noticed and again you can correct me if I'm wrong just from my little test sample is that I yeah. love this test sample. This would be very accurate. So people yeah. feel really <laughs> unsupported. And that doesn't mean that they don't have support. And maybe that's because they're not asking. But, but mm-hmm. I've also noticed a trend of people feeling disappointed about their friendships and the relationships maybe changing or not. You know, like I I have been reflecting back on the pandemic. And from my perspective, I have gone through the worst case of burnout I ever imagined, ever imagined this past year. And I switched jobs, I switched corporate jobs. And I remember, you know, interviewing for my my now job and thinking, I don't even know if I have it in me. I just feel like shit. And I feel like I'm not good enough. I don't feel like I just felt so empty. And I, I don't know that I felt unsupported, but I felt lonely. I felt like I I was alone, even though I'm not alone and feel supported. I don't know how to explain that, but I imagine I'm not alone, that it, I'm not being ungrateful. I just didn't know how to, how to pick myself up or who, who to ask for help. And then as people's relationships change as well, I'd be curious to get your take on that, if any of that made sense. <laughs> It all made sense. And I think that's a big part of burnout, mm-hmm. right? It's feeling isolated, disconnected from others around you, unsupported, lonely, all of it. And sometimes there really 
isn't much that anyone can really do um, to help, right? If you're in that place and you're that far, you know, feeling like just so defeated, it's more so just having people recognize, like if it's your a friend or a loved one, just recognize like this, I don't need, like, to, I guess that's what you asked for is I don't need you to do anything. Mm-hmm. You can't fix this. And that's sometimes really scary with burnout is that the other person wants to fix. Well, just change this, do this. And it's like, I, I don't have it in me right now. I don't have it in me. And you want someone to understand that, that they want them to see you where you're at, which is at you're at the bottom right now, bottom barrel. There's no energy. You want someone to sit with you at the bottom, not tell you to do anything, not assess what you're doing, not evaluate because you're already doing that mentally. And just to say, you know what? This sucks. Like this does suck. This is awful. This is scary. And I'm with you. I'm here and I will be here. I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, and, and to say that, and honestly, if it's not in a close relationship mm. then it's therapy right like that's what a therapist's role is is to sit on the bottom with you to sit it often not moving you anywhere but just say like i see what you're going through and here are some names for it and that is it like that you're just naming it and being able to sit with and validate the pain which is very under you know estimated how powerful that is in that moment when you're in so much pain for someone to be with you um, and to truly see it and to validate it so you don't feel alone in it. And I think honestly, like with Instagram and online, like people can find that mm. in different ways in that community, right? To be able to find other people that are connecting with these polls on pages with burnout and posts and comments. And you start to see people connect over common topics that they normally maybe wouldn't talk about or know that they could talk about with people that they are friends with, right? You get to see what your friends are liking and commenting on on Instagram. And you notice that they are all also, you know, responding to these burnout posts and all of that. And it becomes a connection point that we can talk about it um, and with anything really, you know, so looking for ways of connection rather than when you're in that point of, despair really you really you really notice all the ways that you're disconnected from everyone and how lonely you feel and so it's really important to look for any threads that are connecting you and if there truly are none seeking that professional thread of connection because you need it you can't do it alone it's so hard and and so it's you're so overwhelming because you have no energy you have no energy in that mm-hmm. moment i'm getting the sense that you are positive by nature. (laughs) And uh, I'm getting the sense of that. But I think what I'm hearing from you is how important it is to acknowledge, just acknowledging how you feel and putting a name on it and, you know, bearing witness, whether it is to somebody else or having somebody else bear witness to that pain as you move through it. Um, I'd be curious to get your thoughts and your experience, first of all, how did you get into burnout? Why is this so interesting to you? Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's a, it's a bit of a weird start. So I grew up going to a camp for children with cancer, and I didn't have cancer as a child. So my, my parents' friends ran a camp for children with cancer. And so my summers were spent at that camp, and I grew up with that being, you know, cancer being a common theme in my life. So a lot of my friends passed away at a young age. Mm. A lot of them didn't, um, but became survivors and um, are still in my life today. 
But going through that at such a young age, I wasn't able to do anything really to change their situation as a friend. And so I did just bear witness to suffering um, for a long time. But I also saw how powerful that was, right? So how powerful a role it was to bear witness, to name emotions, to be there for someone and not be able to change absolutely anything about the situation. Mm. Um, So I saw that firsthand and then really from a young age, I'm a doer. I love doing, I love helping. I want to help everyone feel better. And that is a perfect recipe for burnout, right? So I burned out big time um, and did not know that I had burned out until I got to like the depths of burnout and was at a therapist. And she had to tell me what I was experiencing because I thought I was just way over the deep end and had no idea why I was going, what I was experiencing, what was happening. And I realized through her help that I was experiencing burnout. This was why, you know, it was very clear um, to everyone else but me. And I had to refuel. I had to take care of myself for the first time and learn how to take care of myself because I could no longer be successful or give to anyone else if I didn't. And so I wanted to give more. And so I had to take back and figure out how to balance that. And I was lucky to go through burnout at a pretty young age. I went through it, I think, over 10 years ago. And it was um, lucky enough that it was before I was a psychologist, um, because I don't think I could have, I could be a psychologist, given my nature, Um, I would have burnt out pretty quickly. So I was lucky that I went through it before that I went through it in grad school, um, and learned how to navigate success while taking care of myself because I knew the cost, right? I knew what was going to happen if I didn't, um, that I can push myself. I can, you know, push myself to do and give and take care of everyone else and ignore myself. But that's in the end, that doesn't help anyone. My God, cancer, kids with cancer. I know, right? I know. I know. It's always just like, yeah, I know. So that was hard because at that point I ran a nonprofit for children with cancer at that point. And I had to, I had to stop my work with a nonprofit. Mm. And so that was, that was, that was hard, right? Like that was very gut wrenching for me because that was my identity. That was everything about me. That was my passion. That was, I had to let a lot of people down um, at that time. And so that was hard and, you know, dealing with all of that. But if I hadn't, I would have, I would have let myself down and I would have continued to let other people down. And so it was the only way if I hadn't taken care of myself, I wouldn't be a psychologist now. I wouldn't have finished grad school. I wouldn't have done any of the other things. And so I had to, for the first time, prioritize myself. And in our culture, that doesn't, isn't really rewarded or applauded, um, you know, but the opposite is. Do you feel like that is changing now? Like I felt like a few years ago, that hustle culture was everything. And as Americans, productivity is king. But I'm starting to see, and maybe that's just because this is where I am, is that I'm trying, I'm purposely trying to do less and be more and let myself be enough, you know, like the self-worth and the self-value and, um, yeah, what is it called? Like, yeah, I think a worthiness, worthiness um, yeah. of of always feeling like I have to prove that I am worthy by producing and being superwoman and being super mom and being the woman that's got it all together, where it's falling apart, you know, yeah. and and taking a step back and just taking a beat. 
you know, you had talked a lot about, at least that's been my own mm-hmm. personal experience and maybe those circles that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel like as a culture, we're pulling back on this, yeah. you know, like even in some of the corporate settings, they're giving global days off. They're, you know, they're really prioritizing, or at least they are pretending to prioritize yes, yes. mental health and real connection instead yeah. of like the virtual happy hours, which are so boring, you know, and, and <laughs> wine and cheese events that are virtual over Zoom. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be on Zoom anymore. No. And so it, it's just, I wonder if from a cultural perspective, is it changing where it's more okay to do less? And you had talked a lot about refueling. What mm-hmm. does refueling look like? What are some tactical approaches that people can immediately uh, apply to their lives? Yeah. So I think I talk about refueling a lot because it's so necessary. It's like we're driving a car and we are not fueling it with gas. We're not remembering Mm -hmm. that we have to fuel it. So we will pull over, we will stop, but we don't realize that we have to also fuel it. Pulling over and taking a break is not enough. Um, We have to make sure that it's, it's energizing us and giving us back that energy. And it honestly can differ based on the moment and what you need. Sometimes it is a nap. Sometimes it's a walk. Sometimes it's a glass of water. Sometimes it's a talk with a friend. It's how do I feel right now? And what will help me to kind of give me that boost to kind of give me that extra, you know, if my, if it's like a charger will help charge me up. Um, And it really differs depending on where you are in the moment. So some days it might be, I don't want to talk to anyone right now, or Mm -hmm. I've been alone all day. I just need a conversation with a friend. Um, Some days it's like moving your body. Some days your body just needs to rest. And so it's figuring out what is in my arsenal of fueling tasks that will help me and and then playing around with it and seeing like when I'm feeling like this and I'm pretty like emotionally or or physically depleted, that these are kind of my go-tos. And if I'm feeling kind of energized, but kind of a little too wired, these are my go-tos, you know, kind of figuring yourself out and figuring out what does help you in different moments to meet your needs. And that's where the connection part is so important because if you're disconnected from yourself, you have no idea what works and what doesn't. You're just doing things to do more of it, right? Doing self-care and into that self-care kind of mentality of like, well, this should be helpful, right? Mm. You know, taking a bubble bath, but mm-hmm. it really isn't, um, isn't doing anything for me here. So recognizing like checking in with yourself when you are trying to take care of yourself and to see, are you actually meeting your needs? Are you fueling up or is it something to do more of? I think you can give the greatest gift right here. And something that moms especially struggle with is permission. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have permission not to do. Yes. Right? There's no, you don't need to do. And I think self-care does not have to be another task on your list. Right. Sometimes that is the greatest gift that you can give yourself is to say, you know what, today, if I get a couple things on that list done, great. If I don't, it's okay. Like I'm, that's where I'm at today. And that's what I need. I why do need we put so much value on that room. though? Why do we put so much value on the, the task list when, you know, can we flip the script and put value on this feels good? Like what are some simple strategies that would help us take permission to stop or put it down yeah. or, you know, like I, I, I struggle with this because I am booked from the moment I get up till the moment I go to sleep. 
And I'm like, I, I can't, this, this is not sustainable. And I feel like, but if I put right. this down, what is this going to mean about me? I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to all of a sudden be a piece of crap. You know, right. like it, there's so much judgment and value oh, put on this. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's even like when we were booking this podcast, right? Like I booked out, like I probably booked this a month yeah, it's ago been a while. or something mm-hmm. or six mm-hmm. weeks or. Yeah. So what I am so intentional about doing, and honestly, I would not have been this way in the past, is that even this is something that is so exciting and that I love doing because I love educating and love talking about this. But even the good things, they have to be spread out. Like you can't just dump it all on. And so even saying no, no and like giving it like, but can we do it in a, in a month, mm. you know, or in six weeks? And so I space things out. And I'm very intentional about that. So boundaries for yourself are really key, right? So if you are like a mom and you're recognizing that like your kids are in five different activities and you're, it's too much, you can change it. You can say like, we can only do three. Like I can only handle three at a time. Um, and that's it. Like there's gotta be give mm-hmm. and take um, for ourselves, with our families and just setting some really key boundaries for yourself and for what you take on. Um, and that has to come from why you're doing this. So right underneath, I have a screen here where I do all my scheduling. I have pictures of my family, my kids and my husband, because that's my why. If I say yes to everything, I'm saying Mm. no to them every Mm -hmm. single time. And I need to remember that there is a cost here, even though it's just this one time or, or whatnot. Every time that we say, you know, yes to something external, we're also saying that is powerful and just being very clear on that. Yeah, it's no, it's so, so powerful. powerful. And it's like, it's, yeah, and having like visuals for yourself. So you remember, and you know, like, this is why, right? Like having this intentionally for me, having it right under where I do my scheduling. So that I know if I'm adding something to my calendar, I'm also taking away from them. Um, and that's really important for me to have because I'm a visual person and I'm also like my, that will pull on my heartstrings. Um, and so it's a good reminder every single time that I do it. Um, so it's figuring out what is going to motivate you, right, to take that time to check in with yourself, to figure out how much you can handle. Why do you not want to burn out, right? Is it, It's because you want to be there for those that you love, for yourself. You want to have a life that is not just a moment that you're working for, right? Mm-hmm. Or the next big thing, or just getting through this crazy time, right? You actually want to enjoy your life and be there in the moments. And to do that, you need to have very clear priorities and boundaries and being able to say yes to the refueling, no to way too much draining stuff um, and have a hold of your time. Because time is something that we give away like way too much. We sure do. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. So oh, as I'm yes, thinking please. through, as I'm thinking yeah. through your concept of, if you say, not your concept, but the concept of when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. And so I get a fair amount of guilt that I put on myself that if I say yes to a dance class at night or yes to going out with some girlfriends, I'm saying no to my family and I love my Mm. kids and I don't spend enough time with them. But I also don't love playing with my kids. I love them, but I hate playing with them. And I I have a Mm -hmm. fair amount of stress around, 
you know, like being the fun parent. I'm not the fun parent. I'm the, like, I'm let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God. Let's yeah. talk real yeah. about some of that stuff. Yeah. So how do you balance the, the shame and guilt over, well, it's another thing. I'm another shitty mom, you know, like those kind of things. Yeah. Well, so I do not measure myself in terms of like quantity of time I spend with my kids in terms of that for them. I want to be there for them emotionally. And so in order to do that, I have to make sure that I'm fueling myself up. Mm. So I will also have that guilt of I'm doing this and my kids cried for me when I left the house to do it. Um, And I'll feel that. And I will still say I feel the guilt and I'm still going to do this because it's going to fill me up and they're going to be okay. But I really measure myself as a mom as am I there for them emotionally? Do they know that I love them? Do they Mm. see that in the moments that are really important? Those are that's what I want him to remember. Not that my mom didn't play with this toy with me that one time. Mm -hmm. You know, if they remember that, they will talk to their therapist about it and they will get over it. (laughs) I know they will get over it. Uh, But I want them to know, I want them to always remember. And she was there for every, like the emotional stuff. I always knew she loved me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that she loved me unconditionally and that her heart was when she was with us and that she wanted, you know, when there's emotional situations and tough stuff or good stuff that she was real, she was human, um, but was there. And so I want them to, I want to be emotionally available for them. Um, And as a psychologist, that's hard because my emotions get kind of taken out um, with other people. And so I have to reserve a lot uh, for them or I'm just taking care of my clients, which would be, for me, would be where all my guilt would come in um, and choosing other people over my children. Mm. But for me, it's like, I just want to make sure that I'm emotionally present and not so much doing the doing with them, right? The pickups and all of that stuff. I miss a lot of that. I'm working. And so I do miss a lot of that. And um, I have to be okay with that. It's hard, you know, missing little moments here and there, but I really soak up the weekends, the times that I do get with them. And also miserable some of it over the weekends when there's tantrums <laughs> sure. and all of that. And we'll check out, um, you know, my husband and I will kind of play a tag team and we'll do it together, but it is hard. You know, that's why I think stay at home moms, like I, they are true, like heroes. Heroes. I I look up to stay at home moms so much because I could not do it. Mm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be emotionally and physically present all the time with little, it's just not where my I couldn't be a teacher. I would not. I would not do well uh, with that little energy. I'm in that boat. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kids I'm in that are, boat. But I, yeah. I, I, I do wonder about like how how do you when you're a psychologist and you have a private pa- practice? My goodness, how do you protect yourself without absorbing? Yeah. You know, I imagine. I don't know you personally. But I wonder, I imagine that you probably have a fair amount of empathy and probably mm-hmm. it's easy to to take on people's energy. How do you protect yourself from that? And I say that because we're, we're all absorbing a lot of our energy as well and mm-hmm. and trying to be there for other people. But also we want to, we want to elevate, right? So we, you know, like the people, you know, my listeners, you, me, we want to elevate the culture. We want people to feel better when they're around us for in whatever capacity. How do you protect yourself? Building in transitions for me is really critical. And I think it's been critical for anyone, right? Like if you are, 
you're having a tough conversation and then, you know, you're going right into playtime with your kids, like that transition is critical to be able to at least reset with yourself and close one door before opening another. Often we're kind of just juggling so much at once that we are just so drained. And so for me, it's building in a transition even between my clients um, and sessions or I'm bringing energy from one session into the next, which is you want to make sure not to do that. Um, and so as psychologists, there's a lot of different tricks and tools and, you know, hours that we go through to kind of build this up. Um, but a lot of it is transferable, right, to other areas of life where you are be able to be there and present with other people, but you need that time to transition from being, you know, the person who is listening and hearing and taking on a lot of energy to, I just want to be in the moment with my kids and, you know, jump in the pool with them um, and kind of not think about the problems out there right now. So to be able to do that, taking that time to transition. And for me, Mm. that looks like, you know, self-talk, you know, reminding myself that like, okay, I closed that, moving on to this, visual reminders of the change. So, you know, changing where I physically am um, and having those cues are really important. And it's it's almost like for a kid, like what we do where we have rituals and transitions and, you know, where we're going from playtime to bath time before bed and kind of building in that time where we don't just make ourselves go. And I think with our, you know, having our phones with us 24 seven, it can make it really hard or you're like, you know, on Instagram looking at a meme and then the next second you're in a hard conversation and then you're, you know, buying the groceries for later. And it's a lot of juggling, a lot of juggling. But if we're more conscientious about that in between and the moment that we switch, that actually protects us a lot and allows us to kind of mentally kind of create that change um, in what we're doing and protects us. I've never heard of that. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's so helpful. Honestly, you'll just be like, okay, I'm, I'm switching here. I'm transitioning. And it makes a world of a difference. It really does. What do you do for fun? Oh my goodness. I do a lot with my kids. I have a new puppy who is just like the fun of our life. I have amazing friends um, that we've been on Zoom for a long time, but can't wait to see in person. Um, But my life is, you know, with little kids, it's very much little kid world right now. Um, And a lot of it is not fun, but I love connecting with like the other moms. I've made friends with other, you know, moms, the kids and, and I'm a dork. I love to read. Um, that's my, like, yeah, you do Harvard. Passion here. <laughs> <laughs> right? I love reading. So I will, if you just give me, if you could just see, I have every psychology book you can imagine here. And that is my fun. That's my fun time um, when I'm transitioning. But I'm a reader. So that is something that I love to do. And it's one of my refueling. Um, do you read fiction or nonfiction primarily? I do. I read both but different times. So fiction, I read more so like on weekends and at night, you know, when I'm before bed and nonfiction, I read during the day. So, so fun. Nothing serious I'm such a huge time. fan. I don't know why, but I've always um, loved psychology today and found the coolest mm-hmm. facts, those little snippets. I mean, I'm not, not a reader, sadly, but it's such a cool thing. So, so tell cool. me, yeah. So tell me if you, you know, like, what do you find yourself saying over and over in your sessions? What do people need to hear right now? Oh, goodness. Um, okay. Let's, let's see. What do I find myself saying? I say a lot of things. I feel like I'm a broken record. Um, <laughs> I bet. My clients don't seem to care too much, but 
I think primarily I say a lot, um, like our emotions are so important to tune into, right? So to be able to recognize them, become aware of them, we discount them a lot, right? We just want to kind of push away the, the tough emotions and get rid of them, right? Like, how do I get rid of this feeling? We don't, can't really get rid of feelings. We can ride them out. We can get through, get through them, but we can't really avoid them or push them away. If we push them down, they're going to come back up. You can't really do that with emotions. And so facing emotions head on, taking information from emotions, um, remembering that thoughts are just thoughts. So those guilty thoughts that we have that come up, they're just thoughts. We don't have to make them mean more than that. They don't have to actually mean that we're a bad mom. It's just we know that we're programmed to have that schema that says, you know, I've got to always be there for my kids and be super mom and do everything or this guilt button will get pressed. Um, and so just knowing that we have these tendencies. And so when the thoughts pop up, we just label it as a thought. And we just say, that's my guilty thought coming up. And we don't let the thoughts dictate our actions um, unless we want them to. And so just knowing that with our thoughts and emotions, we do have more power than we realize. We get to filter them. We get to determine what we make to be part of our identity, what we don't, what we take action on. Um, we have a lot more power than we give ourselves you know, credit for. And that comes a lot in what we do. And so really looking at our actions and determining if we're happy with what, with what we're doing, you know, that we get to assess, we get to analyze, we can, we can kind of flip the script. If we're not happy with where things are, change is possible. And it's just usually like tiny changes at a time, like building in those transition, building in more fueling activities. It makes us such a big difference. So even if it's tiny, tiny changes, they can make a huge impact on the way that you feel. Um, so don't feel like you have to be perfect in overhauling your life, um, but just look for what's like one little tiny change that I could make that would make me feel a little bit of breathing room um, and would feel good and change it and see experiment and see what happens. Why are we so hard on ourselves? Why is our deserve level so low? I think it starts in school, honestly. If you look at school and the culture of school, which is like the meritocracy kind of thing. Yeah, get grades. Everything is graded and checked and everything. And you kind of become programmed from a young age that that gets rewarded, mm. right? It gets rewarded if you get all the good grades, if you are there for attendance, if you are good in class, like if you follow all the rules, you are you are going to get all these accolades and that can feel very good. And if you're not the kid who gets all that, you start to realize, oh, if I do what they're doing, that's the path. And so we don't really get another message when we're young. And that's why I think maybe, you know, us experiencing this, especially me, for example, I hope I model for my kids that I am saying no to things. I'm not there all the time with them. I'm deciding to take care of myself. I have hard emotions. I'm not perfect. And I talk about them, right? I don't, they know that when I'm struggling with things, I don't hide it from them. I want them to know. Um, I want them to know that emotions are totally normal to feel. And I want them to be able to name it. And they can pretty well now, which is pretty scary. Uh, but it's a good thing. It's Well, I think that's, that's a powerful thing, like how to break the mm -hmm. cycle. So a lot of people listening are, are parents. Yeah. And so how do we how do we change that in the home for our parenting? What are some things that are important to reward 
and maybe some things that aren't shouldn't hold as much weight, but we're so programmed to reward it or come down on kids when they're not achieving. Yeah, I think like when kids aren't doing, you know, when their behavior isn't perfectly in line and they're not perfectly conforming um, and they get called out, right? You've, you have that decision at that point where you either will kind of kind of pounce on them and make this something that they're bad um, and they are, you know, not following the rules and this is gonna be punished or it's, well, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Like making them involved in the conversation. It's not just, if you don't follow the rules, you are bad. Like, you know, it's all or nothing, but kind of making it a broader Mm. look where like, okay, there were actions, but tell me more, like what was going on? Okay. There was more going on all of this. And like, and we still can't hit that kid. Um, We can't do this, but I want to know why. I want to know how you were feeling, what, what was going on beyond just the action. And it's fine to have consequences for actions, but I want the kids to be able to talk about the feelings, the actions, to be able to link it all because there are more than just what they're doing. And I think that's where it's really important to highlight and to help kids to make that connection that, yep, what they're doing is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the only piece of the puzzle. Mm. And that's where we can really help them to build that. Because often it's not till much, much later that you realize that. I love that. So you do your therapy, you're a licensed psychologist and you specialize Mm -hmm. in burnout. Where else do you specialize? If somebody wanted to work with you, Dr. Carolyn. Yeah. So I work, I work in Florida. So I'm in the state of Florida and I work with burnout, perfectionism, anxiety, depression, all the fun stuff. (laughs) I really do love it all. Um, And I have a website and people can look me up on there. And I just, I love it. I really do. I love, I love the part of being in private practice, but I also love the part of educating online. And I think that's allowed me to feel like I can help more people too, like having the Instagram and having, you know, doing like this and other ways. So if it's not through one-on-one counseling, that there are other ways and being able to give people the information to take to their own clinicians to talk about these issues um, if they are experiencing it because I, uh, most clinicians understand burnout from a personal level at least um, and more so and more and more clinicians are learning about it treating it and understanding it so hopefully it's something that we see more and more people talking about and being open to you're doing such amazing work dr carolyn thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it Wow, I really love the advice on transitions and started to let that idea begin about parenting that as long as I'm there for their emotional needs, I'm doing a good job. What stood out to you? DM me on Instagram and let me know how this landed for you. All my information's in the show notes. You can go to Allison underscore underscore hair. But in the meantime, please go follow Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein. I've linked her info in the show notes. And drop her a line and say thank you. I'm hoping that this podcast episode can start to change the culture. And culture change really starts with you. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.